Hey listeners, want to start your own podcast? Let us tell you our favorite tool. Anchor is the one-stop shop for all your podcasting needs. Here's why. Anchor lets you record and edit your show right from your phone or computer. So no matter your setup, you can start creating right now. Then it distributes your show to the most popular listening platforms like Apple and Spotify. Plus, it's the only place you can send video content to Spotify. Creators can even earn money on Anchor with ads and subscriptions. Best of all, it's all free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You are now listening to FemRegard Podcast with Tessa Markle and Carolina Alvarez. Fem. Hola amigos. <laughs> Welcome to the Fem Regard Podcast. <laughs> you know that's going to be the, the little blip intro now. Of course, of course. <laughs> I'm just laughing because Tessa and I are talking about who's going to read our intro for this next guest and <laughs> I just feel like I'm going to stumble on my words, but we're doing good today, guys. We're doing good. And that's what editing is for. And that's what editing is for. <laughs> but no, I am so excited about the guest we have on this episode. Her name is Adele Etheridge Woodson. She is a classically trained film and visual media composer. Um, I found her on the IG, which I'm going to mention in the intro to this episode. But most recently, Adele scored Pant Hoot. It is a documentary short featuring Dr. Jane Goodall, yes, Miss Goodall herself, for which she was nominated for Best Original Score at the International Sound and Film Festival of 2020. Um, so that's like super dope. Like we all remember Jane Goodall, like definitely an idol of mine and to many young women, especially, I'm sure. So that's I feel like so if she cool. wasn't one of your heroes growing up, like who are you? Like who are you? <laughs> <laughs> Do you just hate animals? Like, okay, anyway. <laughs> No, exactly. That's why. And it was so cute to hear like how she's been such an inspiration for her. So um, definitely um, really cool to hear about that. But she there's just oh, my gosh, just you guys have to go check her out because she's done things from hum, um, her first string quartet was humble hip hop variations of a theme by Kendrick Lamar, which I need to listen to because that just sounds dope. <laughs> but she's. She's violinist first, and then you just we get to we get into we get into what sound music composition scoring is all about, and what like how it's it varies from project to project. And Mm -hmm. I think for the independent film community, you're always scared that that's going to be like so costly, and it's definitely something you need a budget for, guys. But Mm -hmm. I think um, truly, I think she she makes it sound a lot more affordable and and just accessible all accessible around. thank you that's the yeah. word i wanted to go for thank you tessa <laughs> no so problem. um yeah like i i really feel like you guys you find the right partner to work with in any of the producing vein paths worlds whatever um you can really um get them to work with you you know that's mm-hmm. at the end of the day you can always like usually be able to negotiate and as long as you you know what you want to compensate everyone so as long as you just do that in a really ethical way I think you can get her done yeah 
So let's go get it done, y'all, and tune into this episode. Girl, have you listened to Hags yet? Oh my god, yes. Let's tell the fam about it. So, Hags is a weekly podcast dedicated to deconstructing and demystifying how society values gender by asking key questions like, for the love of God, why? (laughs) Yep. And each episode begins by celebrating a boss-ass bitch from throughout history for tackling our ever-changing understanding of modern intersectional feminism through history, pop culture, current events, personal anecdotes, and embarrassing childhood stories. Co-hosts Riley Rose Critchlow and Nicole Wyland are frequently joined by special guests like Gates McFadden, Troy and Belisario, Gina Susanna, Liz Jenkins, Brianna Cuoco, Ioni Butler, Jazz Thornton, and Jen Mora from Voices of Hope, and many more. The show is produced by Alex Reeves and Point of Blue Studios. Follow them across the social medias at Hags Podcast for more. Hello, Femme Fam. Today we have Miss Adele Etheridge Woodson coming on. She is a film composer, string arranger, and producer that your girl flagged on the IG because her shit is fire. And it's just been so cool. Um, I just really admire the work of composers because A, it's a world that Tess and I still are learning more about because mm-hmm. it's a word it's a world we don't get to like see on a day-to-day or understand all the different working components. And I really like that on your IG you're doing all these BTS of like what goes on um in during your recording sessions and then also like I just love that you DJ and do this other stuff that I'm like so like that's such a vibe for me so covers all the bases (laughs) all the bases like I just I just really um like gravitate towards that so we will pimp out your your IG, but hello. Thank you for agreeing to come on. Of course. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Why don't you just tell us how you got started and like what led you to film composition specifically? Yeah. So the, the basic gist of it is I, I started playing violin when I was seven years old and I started with Irish folk music and uh, so I was learning by ear. And then about mm-hmm. two years in, I became more classically trained. Um, and I'm not sure how familiar you are with, with violin training, but it's it's pretty intense <laughs> for a young yeah. kid. But I liked it for some re- for whatever reason. I was fine with it. I went to a arts high school. So I was playing music every day. And then probably I would say around 15, I was feeling kind of stagnant in my music making. And something that I came to realize was I didn't like um, my lack of agency when I was playing in the orchestra. I was just playing whatever music was put in front of me and what my teachers had decided to give us. And I felt like I was really lacking um, this artistic notion that I wanted to create something too. And Mm -hmm. so that was when I started getting into composing I think I've been, I, I started trying to do classical composition and I just didn't feel quite inspired by that. And mm-hmm. I think over time I realized that film soundtracks have been so special to me since before I can even remember. I mean, the the way that my, my dad and I used to spend time was just watching movies together. And so 
it's just a special feeling that uh, this music is able to stick with you even from childhood, um, especially like the Pirates of the Caribbean soundtrack. I used to pretend I was a pirate. I would like swing around on my bunk bed and stuff. Girl, just, same. <laughs> yeah, just like things like that. It's just you don't. Or like it, it, every 90s soundtrack from like. Right? Um, mm-hmm. I'm blanking out like literally all of them. You just there's a nostalgia that just triggers within you. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. This is yeah, the nostalgia. Mrs. Doubtfire, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, literally the opening and closing sound. Like, you hear that sound in, like, every 90s film, and you're like, yeah. oh, my childhood. Exactly. That's how I feel with um, with Harry Potter. Just mm-hmm. any music from Harry Potter. Love that. It, like, transports you to the other world, right? Mm-hmm. And I realized that these stories that were so special to me as a kid, like, there are people making these stories and, and, and this music. And that was when I was like, oh, film composing is a thing? That's pretty cool. And then I just kind of, I wouldn't say fell into it, but I kind of dipped my toes in a little bit and ended up really liking it and really committed myself to to making that kind of music. So I just want to be able to help create music that makes people happy, right? That makes little kids want to dance or however people respond. I just hope that they like it. <laughs> Yeah. It's that emotion that you're mm-hmm. drawing out that you want to mm-hmm. like have the audience feel along with the visual. It's like a very it's a marriage there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I imagine it has to be I don't even know if tougher is the word, but a lot different than just, you know, writing music to like specifically compose it to go along with the film. You know, I mean it cuz mm-hmm. yeah, you're not just it's not just like, oh, I have this idea in my head. I'm going to create it and it sounds good. It's like, I've got to match it to this and match it to the mood and, you know, all of that. And I imagine that can get pretty like technical and tricky. Yeah, it it depends on what I'm scoring and also who I'm scoring for. Certain filmmakers have, some people have very specific ideas of what they want. And it's very much like, you must compose X, Y, and Z because that's what I want. And then there's other filmmakers who aren't quite sure and that leaves a little bit more room for experimentation. Um, So in certain situations, you don't have to line up the score like immediately to each cut um, that you might see in action or uh, like fight sequences. Mm -hmm. But again, it just Mm -hmm. depends on the filmmaker, the genre. Sometimes they like it to line up with the cue. Sometimes they don't because they feel it's too obvious. It it changes every single project. Wow. That makes sense. Does that mean also then um, that the process of working with them would change per project, I imagine, too? Like, you know, do you have, like, the finished video portion of it all the time? Do sometimes they bring you in from the beginning to kind of see your vision and match the video to that? Like, I, I imagine different people work different ways with that, too. Yeah, it's totally the latter. It's, it's different. For the most part, they bring me on when the final cut is ready. Um, mm-hmm. And at that point, a lot of people have already tempted it. And so then I have some type of um, inspiration or atmosphere I'm going for. If I'm working on a piece that needs music on set, that's mm-hmm. a little bit different. And that's when I'm reading off of the script or just going off a conversation with with a director. Um, mm-hmm. And in those cases, I, I, I like those experiences a lot because it gives me more time to mess around. And the filmmaker doesn't feel quite as stressed with deadlines. Um, so it, it's a little bit more of a kind of free-for-all creative space, which is really nice. Mm. <laughs> excuse me and an example of that like 
having the music on set, would that be something like a fight scene like that you mentioned that things really feel like they should line up specifically to the sound or? Not necessarily that. Like um, a real life example is um, the soundtrack for Joker. She actually sent in a bunch of music before they even started filming. So the really famous bathroom scene Mm -hmm. Um, they were playing her score on set. So that's Mm -hmm. an example of when they might want to play the music to get the actor in the mood and to to get the atmosphere. Mm. I'm also thinking of, um, I scored a Western and they wanted a pianist on set playing what, what I composed. So in that case, you have to have the music, the sheet music ready for them and, and everything like that. Um, if you think about like musicals like La La Land, also, mm-hmm. the music has to be done before filming, of course, because they're lip syncing right. or whatever. So there's a there's a lot of different options. Um, but I would say for like fight sequences and stuff, that's choreographed by the filmmaker. And then we just come in and kind of like hit certain points to make it more um, exciting. Gotcha. Interesting. I guess that's something I haven't really thought about before, like having the music on set for moments like that. That's kind of cool. I like that idea as an actor, like to have that soundtrack to, you know, pull that emotion from. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. I think it's like very, um, like even when you're you're writing um, a script, like you use music to influence that. So I, I totally see like how you have to work off a mood. And so going forward, work like, from that, like, you know, you as a writer, then director, you're making a project. Um, would you say when a filmmaker is first contacting you on a project that they position some ideas? Is that something you ask for? What are those first conversations like? And what's the most helpful thing a filmmaker director can bring to you to help you do your best work? That's a great question. I um, For every single project, I always start out with having a creative conversation um so I like to hear in the filmmaker's own words what the story is what they want the audience to feel um so in in that particular conversation if they have like a certain instrumentation or they're like I love strings I want to have strings sometimes they are very against certain instruments I, I don't want trumpet I don't want whatever um so those are always I good I don't want trumpet I just think yeah. that's really funny <laughs> That's like, that's kind of a funny moment because sometimes filmmakers think that they're saying the right instrument and then oh. it's actually a different instrument. So that's when it becomes it's that dangerous. French horn. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's when it becomes dangerous territory, right? So I try to just ask for things um, in a storytelling perspective and mm-hmm. um, what they want the audience to feel um, as opposed to more logistical things. And then... From that creative conversation, we have a spotting session where we go through the whole film and they give me specific timestamps that they want music in and out. And then we'll talk about things like transitions, if they want to bring back certain cues throughout the film, this kind Mm. of idea. Um, And certain spotting sessions, the director is like, I only have a few timestamps. You're welcome to score certain scenes if you'd like. And other times they're like very much already know what they want and again that's just a a personal preference and then from there it's Mm -hmm. just demoing sending them versions revising sending them versions over and over again until they like it yeah that's gonna that's good to know that like 
there's that freedom involved too. Like everybody works a little differently. You're willing to work with, you know, the different ways that people work. So us as filmmakers don't feel like, okay, I got to know full music theory and, you know, exactly how she's putting this together. Yeah. There's this, I mean, if you think about it, I don't know things like camera work or cinematography, but it's still translated to me in a way where I'm like, okay, I think I know what I can score this as. So I mean, of course, there's a certain vulnerability when you don't really know anything about music and you're talking to a musician. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes, especially younger directors, try to overcompensate um, for that lack of knowledge and then try mm-hmm. to sound smart. Um, but you just have to remember, like, we're servicing your picture. We're there to help you. We mm-hmm. aren't here to, you know, show how much better we are at music or whatever. It's, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but we're just here to help you out. So I try to get people to be, you know, of course, comfortable um, with me and just being able to talk in terms that they feel comfortable with. Um, mm-hmm. But sometimes it does require a little bit more back and forth where it's like, you don't have to talk about specific theoretical chord structure with me. That's my job, <laughs> yeah. right? So, Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Like, know your space, know your place. And I think if everyone's humble, that's like the best way to work with one another, like no ego Mm -hmm. attached and like Mm -hmm. trust the person you're hiring. And I think it can be intimidating when you don't know so much about music theory or, or that world that you feel that maybe you like, you know, yeah, that insecurity could come out even in that way. It's like, is this the right person to work with? And and because it, it sounds like it is a long process, you know, like from start to finish, there are a lot of revisions. And I think as a filmmaker, you just like, I love that you said that, like, trust that, you know, they're doing their job at the end of the day when you hire them. And, and it's all collaborative here mm-hmm. in the independent film yeah. space. Yeah. We also learn as composers, um, sometimes when we're brought on, there's been maybe some obstacles that the director has already encountered or maybe some difficulties in in other areas of pre or post production and so sometimes directors are bringing in feelings and um uh, frustrations from other areas of the filmmaking process and Mm -hmm. we as composers because we're almost like one of the last team members brought on we have to kind of feel it out be like okay <laughs> They're feeling a little bit frustrated, so I'm going to make sure that I'm a stable thing in their life right now that they can rely on and make sure everything's brought in on time. Like they're not feeling I mean, I totally know that feeling of like you're reaching the end, you're freaking out a little bit, and then suddenly you have this musician on board and you don't know how it's going to go, and so it's um it's it's very much like a empathy job as well. Like mm-hmm. we have we have to we have to be there and be like it's going to be okay. Like, I'm going to make sure it's okay. And that's kind of our job, too. Oh, I love that. That's so well said. And, like, um, and, you know, you guys make, you make such an impact on the film, though, too. Like, let's just credit that as well. Like, when you're, like, Tess and I, that we'll, like, on any video, really, like, we're we're working on something. And the moment you add the right music, it just changes everything. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Or in a in a movie. Like think about that as as filmmakers who are listening into this, like it just creates the whole world and like brings the emotion 
Um, I think it's even kind of subconscious sometimes too, you know, yeah. like if you're not someone that's super into like, I don't, I don't know, movies or music or like specifically film scores, like you don't even necessarily notice it because it just feels like it should be there anyway, you know, mm-hmm. but if it weren't there, it would be so lacking and you would not have the same reaction to it. Totally. Yeah. And that's when it comes into um, sometimes scores have to be subtle. So the mm-hmm. audience might not be noticing the score specifically but like you said if it wasn't there the audience would kind of feel some type of weird dead zone space yeah exactly like the feeling of something's missing so a lot of the time there's more like ambient scoring that I'll have to do um, just to Mm -hmm. fill that space but still making sure that the primary focus is what's happening on screen yeah gotcha so how often are you working with like an orchestra for a piece versus like you doing your thing on the computer with all the magical buttons that make instruments <laughs> um mostly the latter um orchestras are really expensive and i figured <laughs> um like if you want a good orchestra it's at least 10 grand for like a few hours of recording so generally those the, that that funding has to come from the studio or the production or whatever and I've mostly been working on indie stuff very low budget things so I've invested a lot into really high quality samples but the reality nice. is even if you have an orchestra playing on a score composers will still add in samples um, to make it sound bigger than it actually is Um, Mm -hmm. which the audience doesn't really quite notice. But if you think about hybrid scoring, especially with composers like Hans Zimmer, who have those huge sounds, there's no like physical way just an orchestra can make those sounds. So I think Mm -hmm. nowadays with the power of technology that we have, almost every composer is using uh, sample libraries. Yeah, interesting. I didn't know that. I mean, I knew it was expensive, but I guess I didn't realize the capabilities that you can do with just samples and not, you know, a live orchestra. Right. And, you know, some scores don't call for an orchestra. Sometimes they just Mm -hmm. want some solo instruments. And in that case, it's a lot more affordable to hire someone uh, just to record a few lines or whatever. I record a lot of myself um, on live violin when it calls for it, which adds a good humanized aspect of course, mm-hmm. every composer wants players to to mm-hmm. be on their scores, but the reality is just budget-wise, sometimes that doesn't happen. Yeah. I imagine that's too like a whole nother thing for you to to have to learn, you know, and um, be creative with. It's like you're not physically playing these instruments, but you're, you know, in total control of, of what they're creating you know what I mean so it's like it's like virtually playing instruments in a way. yeah exactly and that's when it um, music theory and knowledge of orchestration comes in because you have to know the physical limits of a of an instrument um mm. it, it, to me it's really obvious when someone for instance doesn't know how strings work and they'll mm. play something that the computer will play but physically someone would not be able to do um on a real instrument and so that's when composers really we have to study you know how these things work um for instance some instruments require breath 
So you can't, you know, hold down a key for five hours. They'll need to breathe. (laughs) So it's just little things like that make it feel more human just from that knowledge of how these instruments work. Yeah, that's so like, yeah, again, like something that I totally wouldn't have even, you know, thought of. And I and I am a musician. <laughs> like I play the flute and the piano and I sing like these yeah, little things. I it's know, a lot. I, I feel like it's a very composer um, way of thinking about an orchestra. Whereas yeah. if you're a flute player, like when I was just playing in the orchestra, I only thought about what the violins were doing because everything mm-hmm. was about me. Right. So but now it's like, <laughs> hey, we control this whole entity. We have to know that all of these players can do the things that we want them to do. For yeah. sure. And I love that, like, being, I mean, and, and most of our listeners are from the independent film space, that it, it's a relief to hear that you have the technology these days to back up everything that you're you're trying to accomplish, that you don't need, like, 10 grand of your budget, which is probably your whole budget, <laughs> to go to yeah. an orchestra. So is it, like, is it more more affordable than to work with someone like you in in that space since you can create all these sounds with samples and and et cetera? Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Like I'm really flexible with my fee. Um, if there's a project I really want to work on and they might not necessarily have as high a budget um, as some other things I've worked on, that's when like negotiation tactics come in. But at the end of the day, if you're signing on to do a project, no matter what your fee is, we dedicate ourselves to making sure it's the highest quality it can be. And that's why we've invested so much into our technology at home so that we can do Mm -hmm. that for you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that's something um, I'm glad that you mentioned that for anyone that you're hiring out for, you know, whether it's, it's music or any aspect of your film, like, they're going to want to present their best work too, you know, like you want to be proud of what you're adding to this film. Um, And we all understand it's indie filmmaking. We don't have a lot of money, you know, but like Mm -hmm. be aware of that when you're talking about um, negotiating a fee with someone is like, they're going to do their best. If they've agreed to come on this project, they're going to give it their all. That's what we do as creatives. So like, don't shortchange them. (laughs) Yeah, that's a whole thing. I think it's also like being a woman in the industry, it's sometimes difficult for me to talk about money. um, Mm -hmm. And that's something I'm trying to get better at as well. But having someone to advocate for you, like a manager or someone also helps a lot because then you're just seen as a creative person and not the negotiator. So that's a goal of mine for this year is to get someone to advocate for me. Yeah, definitely. I think that's something too that I was only really more recently made aware of is how many like... I I just think of, you know, agents and managers for actors Mm -hmm. and like didn't realize how many other different positions have agents and managers and the people to advocate for them and how important it is. You know, it's another thing that seems obvious, but I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's um, if if you've done anything like semi big, every composer has an agent. Um, Obviously, not all of our work is coming from that agent, but in a way, it's someone in the room again to negotiate on our behalf. So mm-hmm. I would say, yeah, all of, not even all the big guys, like even people who work on indie films sometimes will still have agents as well. It's, mm-hmm. it's pretty interesting, really. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was like when we were talking to a filmmaker, um, a cinematographer, director of photography about him having an agent. I was like, or, and, and then being a part of 
the whole like equity guild or whatever it's called in butchering it. But it's like you don't think that again that those people actually have agents themselves and are represented. Yeah, yeah. that's so, another- so do film composers. That's so interesting. Yeah. The one thing is um the film composing world we're one of we don't we haven't unionized yet unfortunately unlike pretty much everyone else in the post production world except I think like special effects artists mm. so that's a whole thing wow in itself and we've tried to unionize several times and it's just hasn't hasn't worked out quite yet um we do have guilds and obviously we have agents and managers too but that's a whole fight that's happening on the composer side too is trying to get ourselves unionized and I have no clue if that's ever going to happen but <laughs> you know yeah. fingers crossed <laughs> yeah totally hey everybody I'm Chris Fafalius and I'm the producer of Chris to makes a podcast and the host of the one hit thunder podcast and I'm Matt Kelly host of horror movie night and the producer slash the head of content for the Geekscape podcasting network between the two of us we have believe it or not 25 years of podcasting experience, and we want to help you start your own podcast. We know podcasting, and we want to share that knowledge with you. So whether you're new to podcasting or you want some feedback on your currently active podcast, we want to help. Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also. You can contact us at info at weknowpodcasting.com for more information. We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality. Um, and I want to get into some projects that you just recently worked on as well. Um, I mean, I have a whole list here, but I'll let you talk about the ones you're most excited about. But I do want to hear about uh, Pantoot specifically, which is a documentary that was about Dr. Jane Goodall and your experience with that. And yeah, any other projects you want to tell us about that you've been working on? Yeah, well, Pantoot was amazing. Um it focuses on Jane Goodall and also this man, uh, his name is Stanny Nyondwi, and he's known as the Chimp Whisperer. Um, and pant who is the term that they use for the sounds chimpanzees make um, mm. because they're, they, they're very advanced, really, like in their conversation that they have with one another. And Stanny himself learned how to communicate with them in that way. So it's, of course, all about, you know, chimpanzee rescue and and, um, advocating for animal rights, um, especially in Africa. So that in itself was really just such a cool experience because Jane Goodall was my childhood hero (laughs) when I was like, when I was like six years old, I wanted to be a zoologist um, Uh because I read about her and I thought she was really cool. So it kind of, you know, comes comes full circle in that way. And um yeah, it was really cool. It's unfortunate that COVID happened when it's going to all these film festivals, but I'm happy to see that it's the success that it's had because I I hope that people will be able to um, see this story, you know, be inspired in their own life to um, advocate for wildlife and animals and, and, and everything along those lines. Yeah. Um, besides Pant Who, I am releasing an EP in let's say five days on January 30th. (laughs) By the time you hear this, it'll be out. Yeah. So this EP was actually a commission from the city of Tempe. They have this Mm -hmm. program called Arts in the Parks and they hire local artists of all mediums and basically the goal is to get people to go to a park and enjoy the outside. So I was hired to do some type of sound installation and it ended up becoming an EP so people who are outside of the community can also enjoy it 
But mm-hmm. essentially, um, all the neighbors voted on what genres they wanted to hear. I interviewed and sampled conversations I had with people who live here. And so it's it's very diverse <laughs> body of work, um, yeah. which is a little bit unique from traditionally, like traditional um, EPs that people mm-hmm. will release. So I tried to communicate like this was technically a commission um but they did give me a lot of flexibility with what I was making too nice that's really cool thank you that is really cool it it, yeah it's completely different than anything I've like heard of so are you bringing in like music into the interviews pretty much and creating like a world around them in that way um kind of the other way around I I build the sonic world and then um I kind of like to treat the audio. sonic world. I love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for instance, one of them is a meditation track because the park has a meditative labyrinth. Um, and so I, I built the like kind of minimalist composition and then I treated the interviews kind of like an instrument in itself. So I sample certain sentences or words to tell a story. So it's not the whole interview. It's just I kind of pick and choose um, what I like. And so it's kind of like a I I really enjoy like electronic hybrid things. My my senior thesis was an electronic piece uh, about feminism. So I was taking like sound bites from from news and, and and all these different things and treating it like a piece of music. So that's basically what I did for this EP as well. That's so cool. Wow. I love that idea. I feel like that's like the like <laughs> air quotes modern art version of like a film score. You know what I mean? Like it's almost yeah. like an abstract kind of I, I love that idea. Yeah. yeah, it's very unique. Thanks. Um so it is technically a sound installation, and I noticed in the past when I've visited sound installations, they tend to be very avant-garde, like ambient, mm-hmm. and that's fine, but I wanted something that would be more exciting and that could live on its own as well. So people, mm-hmm. it's good to know the backstory behind it, but people can still enjoy it like at its face value. It doesn't have to be that deep if they don't want it to be. Um, so that was a really fun experience with producing different, I did like a house track, I did a Portuguese R&B track, I did a pop track. Um, so in that sense, quite different from what I've done for film scoring. Um, mm. but it's nice cause now I, I can express myself through different genres outside of film scores too. Yeah. And it shows, you know, for anyone that is just looking at your body of work, like that's such a great example of all the different things that you're, that you're able to do. Yeah, it's for film composers. We're we our goal is to like find a sound that we get hired for. Um, but I also am interested in so many different types of sounds. It's hard to narrow it down. Which is again mm-hmm. why I try things like DJing and producing for other artists and arranging strings for, you know, pop singers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just because yeah. my I mean I'm sure you understand. I feel like the creative brain. We just wanna we want to do all the things. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All the things. Especially too when you know that you're capable of doing all those things and you're like, I don't want to shortchange myself. I know I can do it all. And it's yeah. like, sure you can, but you start, still got to like narrow it down and start there. Mm-hmm. And then like once you build that reputation for yourself, then you're able to branch out and try other things and people will get behind you because they're already yeah. behind you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, just like 
posting things like behind the scenes or little short snippets of things gets people into it. Um, and that's also how I've gotten some work too, is people just hear something I've already made and then they're like, mm -hmm. oh, I like this. Can you do this for my film or whatever? So yeah, it all... Which is why I think it's great that you do try all these other things because it is then sample work. So it's like you you don't have to get stuck to be knowing like the Western film score girl. Like she's got all this. She's yeah. got some pop. She's got some horror <laughs> like, yeah the horror um. that, that's like the I think one of the worst things that that happens pretty regularly to film composers is they're very they're they're pigeonholed into mm -hmm. certain genres sometimes composers I don't think they really care but other ones I think really struggle um because they just keep getting hired for the same thing over and over again and after a while it can get kind of old creatively so that's mm -hmm. one thing that I'm really striving to not happen to me. So yeah. hopefully I'll be able to continue doing these type of projects that are really on all areas of the musical world. Yeah, that's some great advice for anyone who's tuning in who is in the music industry or focuses on film composition that it's great advice to try and get yourself to work in different mediums and so you have other work and you're exercising. Yeah, I can totally see you getting in a creative funk if you're producing that same sound over and over again. It's like you can't help but just then do that all the time. Yeah. Also, I mean, you can't really say no to money. So then that's, that also becomes a thing. It's like, okay, For yeah, sure. I'm getting hired. But then the issue of a creative funk and yeah. Yeah. We want to keep it funky. We don't want to be in the <laughs> yeah. funk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> no, I love that. Um, what's uh, what's one of your biggest inspirations? Um. I feel like I'm inspired by so much, um, but I'm same. Con <laughs> yeah, constantly inspired by um, Labyrinth, who did Euphoria's soundtrack. He, I think he um, really stays true to himself as an artist, and you can mm -hmm. tell that by by the music. And I just think he's a really cool guy. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Well, Adele, you're a pretty cool check, may I say. Oh, thank you. May I say? I Sometimes I it's hard to remember that, but yeah, thank you. right. You you feel like that like imposter syndrome, where like you you don't want to like say you're as good as you are sometimes, but like girl, yeah, own it. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. a whole imposter syndrome is something I struggle with almost every day, and I think it's like tenfold when you're again when you're a woman in a very male dominated field like film composing. So, mm -hmm. I, well, I love that you bring that. Um, and they're, you know, open and vulnerable with us on the show because a, um, obviously you got our attention. That's why you're here. Cause you are <laughs> creating cool shit. Um, and two, like it, yeah, it's, 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 I think it is especially hard as a woman in a, in a male dominated industry. And I think you're going to be such an inspiration as you keep continuing, keep creating. We're here to mm -hmm. support. That's something we're so passionate about um, from our production company um, standpoint is to uplift women in the industry. So, I mean, it's it's a fight that you have to keep fighting with yourself and, and the world around you. But I do think times are getting better. We're all here to support. Yes. And we're just all going to keep working with each other, keep building each other up. And like, I'm here for it. Tessa's here for it. I know 
our femme fam community, even the men, the men in the community are so amazing at supporting the women. So, you know, we just gotta, we just gotta keep moving on and, and stay mm-hmm. strong and, and totally. like keep working with each other. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's all, I think um, the best way of combating imposter syndrome is by having allies people mm-hmm. no matter who they are people who will support you and and want you to succeed um because there are people out there who don't want you to succeed um mm-hmm. but for the most even part women like i'm sorry there's some women out there that just yeah. don't like they get they get scared if they're like okay i've worked so hard to be here like i don't want to see her take my spot my shine mm-hmm. yeah and it's like we can't do that like we'll never get we'll never keep continuing to grow and so I think that is so important that you said that 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 really is the way we can continue to create changes in our industries is by Mm -hmm. banding together yeah I love that exactly yeah and you know what those people tend to be quite jaded and very negative and that's a thing that they have to deal with on their own like just being surrounded by amazing artists and amazing women who uplift and inspire really helps me to keep keep pushing keep going yes yes snaps. <laughs> we got some snaps i love it i love it girl i i mean i'm inspired i definitely want to pick your brain maybe on our own time about like projects in the future or something mm-hmm. i definitely could see us all working together it's so it's yeah. exciting to i do think it's so funny we had an entertainment lawyer on this season and I think it's the same thing with literally any department you work with. It it becomes like a, a very personal thing when you're working on a personal project. Like yeah. it's mm-hmm. not like, oh, this is just some network show. I think everything, even in that space, it's like it's very personal. And and when you find someone who like understands like your world, your psychology behind what you do, um, it's it's just so important to have that bond, to have that tie and like uh, I just find it, it's amazing how that really blends out throughout the entire production yeah. experience and the people that you hire to work with. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's all like everyone has to have that same brain and mind and, mm-hmm. um, and be with, for it. And again, like I, yeah. we just love women working with women too, especially who are baddies. So <laughs> yeah I'm excited girl and we are excited to see you keep growing with your EP and like your other I'm sure you're gonna drop some more EPs too in the future that are more like music oriented Mm -hmm. yeah I think finding my voice as my own artist is something I'm still experimenting with absolutely Um, you gotta do it first in the beginning yeah you get to know yourself and what you really want to say yeah and you know, that I feel like that journey never really ends. So I just mm-hmm. try to enjoy where I'm at right now and being thankful for all the opportunities that have been given to me already. So it's just like a constant state of like wanting to keep going and also remaining grateful for the people yeah. who have given me a platform. Totally. Aww, yeah. It's I just taking that. those moments out for the, yeah, the gratuity and like reminding yourself, like, it's okay to pat yourself on the back too, you know, yeah. like be yeah. proud of yourself. Yeah. yeah. It's very much a perfectionist thing. Like you're like, okay, mm-hmm. that's done. Like I'm going to keep going now, but it's good to also be like, okay, I did that thing. It was pretty cool. Like I like, I'm proud yeah, of myself. How, much, how yeah. many times as artists do we really take a second, like after we finish something, especially like gruel, t- that was like 
kind of grueling as in just like a lot of work, a lot of effort Mm -hmm. to then sit back and be like and relish in it. Like I feel like we don't always allow ourselves that moment to really relish in our accomplishments or just finishing something that was so like time consuming and and took a lot of our our energy. And I think that's something we, you know, guys who tune in, like give yourself that, give yourself that moment. (laughs) I found myself catching myself doing that like, you know, you have so many projects going on. It's like, wait, I still want to meditate and take that moment, like, to be like, wait, I should be really happy right now. Like, you know, it's great. I have Tessa for us to, like, take a moment sometimes with each other, even mm-hmm. be like, okay, we just knocked all this work out. But, mm-hmm. like, let's also be excited. Like, let's stay yeah. excited. Because that's yeah. when work just becomes work. And you lose exactly your purpose. Mm-hmm. What was driving you to do it in the first place? Yeah, and that's yeah. why it's good to have friends who just are like, "Hey, that's really awesome that you did that." And you're like, "Oh yeah, it is pretty cool. Thanks for noticing." So, yeah. just having people like that in your life too helps a lot. Yeah, girl. Totally. Well, welcome to the Fem Fam community. <laughs> Everyone's you. gonna keep pimping you out as we are and like <laughs> we're, we love that we love that about our community everyone's so yeah. supportive of each other and it's it's a lot tight-knitter than we thought it is you know like yeah. everyone really knows each other it's that's really awesome. cool to see yeah, yeah you yeah. don't you don't get that every day so that's really special yeah. absolutely and speaking of supporting each other uh let our listeners know where they can listen to your ep because by the time they're listening it'll be out and just find you on you know social media your website any of and all of that that you want to share yeah um i'm adele composer on all social medias um my full name is like everything on my the streaming site so adele etheridge woodson very long it's kind of a mouthful <laughs> at least it's a simple name like there's no nothing hard to pronounce or spell like <laughs> yeah you know if there wasn't a super famous Adele I would have just gone by the first name but here we are so we have to have the long name <laughs> but yeah and and my um my website is adelebrook.com perfect guys make and is sure. your EP gonna be on mm-hmm. the website or yeah it's gonna be everywhere okay. it's gonna be Spotify all the streaming Bandcamp, and I'll be sure to link it in my website as well Awesome. Awesome. Awesome, guys. Make sure you follow, check her out. Again, love her content. So thank you, Adele, for taking the time, sharing us the insights to your world. And like what I feel like, I feel like I have a better sense of how to, you know, approach a film composer. So I definitely feel like this was super helpful for our audience. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. It's, um, kind of a niche community that not a lot of people realize that we're here but you know I'm here and I'm happy to share my story thank you for having me absolutely (laughs) thanks for listening to FemRegard podcast if you like what you hear tune in every Friday for more tips on the filmmaking business and insightful conversations with industry professionals we can only grow with your support so please subscribe share rate and review you can also join the FemFam on Patreon For more on us, check us out at femregard.com. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.